Hello and welcome to the special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Lawrence Feeney joins Stuart Childs to discuss the role of the IHFA in Irish dairy breeding. Welcome to this week's Let's Talk Dairy. So I've uh, made a slight change to the, the schedule. I said to you last week that I was going to be talking to my colleague James Dunn uh, in relation to the Bally Hayes Open Day. But um, just due to, I suppose, the, the way it's working out in terms of the date for Bally Hayes is the 13th of, of, um, of July. So I've pushed James back a week and I've brought on Lawrence Feeney, who's the new CEO of IHFA, because the IHFA are running an Open Day, National Open Day, at Aidan Frawley's in Ballytoig near Brewery, Brewery in County Limerick next week. And I just thought it was a nice opportunity to actually talk to Lawrence about maybe future direction for the IHFA under his uh, stewardship, which he's just after taking over. So um, I'm delighted to be joined by Lawrence. Uh, as I said to you there when we were talking in preparation for today, I suppose pedigree was something that was really, really important to a lot of people when I would have started as an advisor back in the, the mid to early 2000s. And, and I suppose, you know, in a sense, I suppose EBI has changed that somewhat slightly in that people are maybe less focused. Now, you still have people that only want to use pedigree sires. Uh, and I suppose, where do you see that going, I suppose, in, in terms of the context of the IHFA now uh, and where it's going to go to into the future? And I suppose it's just like to, to discuss your thoughts and, and what you're thinking or what maybe some of your uh outline plans for where where you want IHFA to go and obviously then we'll talk a little bit about the open day as well and what people can expect on the day as well. Yeah thank you Stuart um, so look I, and, and thanks for having me here um, I think um, we're at um, an important um, time point let's say in cattle breeding in Ireland um, and I, I think it's going to be some interesting times ahead um, and I think there's a good role there for the IHFA and, and pedigree breeding in that. Um, but I suppose it's about the black and white cow as much as anything and the, what the Irish cow can deliver for, for Irish farmers. Um, so if, um, if I just share my screen with you for a second, um, just, to, just to think about those, those topics. Um, and um, I hope you can see that. Yeah, that's working fine now, yeah. Perfect, perfect. So look, I suppose just to talk very briefly um, about IHFA's role within the industry and, and where we sit and what we do. Um, and then I suppose we can talk about um, what way things are going to shape out over the future or some of the potential challenges ahead. Um, our main role is to um, maintain the Irish Holstein Friesian Herd Book under EU legislation. Um, and, and it's an open herd book. Um, and what that means is it's, we have progeny of current herd book animals are eligible for registration. And also then we have a grade up service whereby um, non-pedigree animals, if we can verify their ancestry, which we usually can do very easily through the ICBF database, they can be eligible for um, pedigree registration, so long as they are, have the qualities of the breed. OK, so that gives an opportunity for people with good quality animals that want to recognize that to um, to upgrade those to to pedigree status. Um, so and what does um, what those the IHFA as an organization kind of represent then kind of comes in under that. Um, so 
we have a very um, important role in genetic improvement. Um, and I suppose that um, presents itself differently for different farms, right? But because the breeding goal for different farms can often be very different. If you're a, um, a typical spring calving system, you're going to be focused on EBI and you're going to want to make improvements there. If you're a, um, a winter milk herd with a fragmented land base, your, your breeding goal may be different, right? So IHFA has to represent that genetic diversity and that diversity of breeding goal, but always be focused on breed improvement for those goals. Um, and some of that genetic diversity is good for the breed in general because different bloodlines and different traits are um, become more important in different systems for different um, for different breeding goals, and that's something that can benefit everybody, perhaps at some point along the line, particularly when breeding goals change. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, one of the kind of the key um, goals that, for the organisation is always breeding for longevity, because a long-lived cow is going to be useful no matter what your breeding goal, no matter what your production system, it's almost always the case where we want cows to last longer in herds. You know, and I suppose the, the, the big advantage of the, of the pedigree status in that scenario, Lawrence will say where cows are being scored or, or graded, we'll say, or classified, sorry, that's the correct term for it, um, yep. it, the feet and legs and the order placement and so forth in terms of like, we have seen some cows come through the EBI system that probably... Um, while they may have the longevity, they actually end up being cold because of poor odors or, poor, or in particular, I suppose, uh, bad, bad leg angle or poor, poor leg angles and stuff like that and just falling out of the system as a result of it, really. Yeah, and I think, like, if we, if we just kind of backtrack over cattle breeding in Ireland over the last number of years, we had, let's say, as, as a national herd and as a Holstein-Friesian breed, we had a lot of challenges 10, 15 years ago with, um, with cow fertility. Mm. Um, and, you know, those challenges were dealt with in different ways. A portion of people would have used crossbreeding as a way of solving those problems. Um, but the EBI and, um, let's say, the amount of good quality black and white cows there were in the country kind of meant that a lot of the improvement in fertility came through the black and white breed. Um, and, and Holstein and Frisian, I suppose, you know, kind of came from, from different sections of the, of the population. But that, um, that cow fertility problem, we've seen huge gains in that over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, and, and that's less of an issue now. We're a long way towards fixing that, that problem. Um, but of course, what that means then is cows are lasting a little longer in herds um, calving patterns are a little bit better so there's there's both the space in that you you have less voluntary or less involuntary culling and more opportunity for voluntary culling um, and also then your cows are living a little bit longer so what happens when the cows live a little bit longer is different things start to become limiting factors so yes lameness mastitis quality of others the milkability of the cow just the, the general manageability of the cow in the herd and um, those things start to show up more 
in third, fourth, fifth lactation cows than they do in uh, first, second, third lactation cows. So some of those traits that, let's say, IHFA would have always been strong on and also some of the stuff that we, we, we record and measure through the classification service, I think are going to become more important in the future. And we have to now extend out on the gains that we've made through breeding for fertility by breeding for fertility plus a more robust cow that can last longer um, in general into, into five, six lactations average um, quite easily. And that's going to be good for profitability and it's also going to be good for, um, for the environmental side of things because those animals are going to have um, uh, be more carbon efficient uh, and that particularly around you know, the, the paying off the rearing period costs and stuff like that. And then, Lawrence, I suppose there there could be a potential perception now, and maybe I'm, I might be wrong in saying this, that the IHFA can generally be associated with high-type cows, um, I suppose the dairy show-type cow that's going to be on the front of the, the farm exam at, in, the, in, in the end of October, etc. And where do they fit into commercial Irish dairy herds then? Like? Well, I suppose to some extent, it depends on your farm system and your breeding goal, right? Um, but realistically, for almost all systems, the cows you see in the show ring um, don't really represent a commercial cow. They're, um, they're uh, uh, almost a separate breeding goal by themselves and a separate type of cow for themselves, very much suited to winning shows, but not necessarily representative of, of what though even for winter milk herds and for higher type herds not necessarily even representative of the the cows that you you want to see in herds and the cows that people are breeding for in herds um even though what the show ring has looked for over the years has changed there was a time where it was the tallest cows that were winning the shows um, whereas now there is a, a bit more appreciation of a more balanced, more robust cow in the show ring. But even allowing for that, it's almost a separate event by itself. Um, but and I think the IHFA has always been um, and one of the great strengths, Stuart, of, of um, pedigree breeding in Ireland is that no matter what you want to breed for, for, for yourself, the space within the Holstein Frisian breed to do it, you know? So um, we have our, our Holstein open day in a couple of weeks time. And we also have our pure Frisian open day um, a couple of weeks after that as well. So you have, you know, very different types of herds, very different types of cows, but the space for it in, in the breed, the vast majority of people are breeding for a commercial high solids, fertile animal that's going to last a long time regardless of whether that's for a spring system or a winter milk system or any other type of system. Um, and um, yeah, the show cows get seen. Um, it's, it's, you know what I mean? They're out there in public, um, but that's not necessarily representative of the, of, of the, you know, what people are breeding for and what people want to see in, in general. And I suppose the, the, an important point for people to note maybe as well is that, while I said there that there's been a move away from the concern or the, the, the desire for to necessarily have uh, pedigree status or to have pedigree bulls being used 
Um, there's still a lot of IHFA pedigree bulls in a lot of catalogs around the country. Like there is, and look, there is issues there with pedigree, full pedigree status versus SRM status on the bulls, and that comes back to the the legislation part of it. Um, so the the full pedigrees basically are are you know have the highest status within the herd book. Um, I think it's important that people select bulls for their system and select bulls that are going to leave a profitable cow. Um, there certainly is a lot of pure pedigree bulls that will do that. And we'd be hoping that, you know, IHFA members will continue to breed good bulls because if you look at all the, the top bulls in AI in Ireland for a start, um, all the top EBI bulls are Irish bred or the vast majority of the top EBI bulls are Irish bred. Um, that wasn't always the case. There was a time we were very much reliant on imported genetics. Um, and, um, and I think it's a huge testament to, to Irish farmers and also to um, Chagas and ICBF for their, their research and um, the AI companies for their, um, their breeding programs, but also the, the Irish farmers for breeding them as well, that um, we, we have our own animals there and and animals coming from um from irish pedigree herds um so i think that will continue and and you know I, I i don't get too caught up in the pedigree versus srm because they're all good you know what i mean they all they all have a really high standard um the pedigree ones the pure pedigree ones have a higher value in the um in the herd book and they have a higher value for um for um animal valuation for diseases and things like that um so it's not it's not insignificant but i think the most important thing is that we're focused on breeding the right type of cow for our systems yeah okay yeah um so you're, you're, you have a couple of other points there in terms of the recognition the quality is the classification piece um what what do you mean by social interaction then so i think some of the things that i had to provide um are are not necessarily to do with the genetics they're to do with the people so um we have um a, a number of local clubs who um have their own um club activities and then we have a number of our national activities um they're pretty centered around open days and field evenings and places where people can get together have a social interaction have a little bit of um a pleasant time on farms that's you know a little bit out of the normal working week and um and kind of enjoyed themselves and enjoy you know enjoy talking about cows and 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 enjoy time spent appreciating their cows and stuff like that and also learning from other farmers seeing different systems all of that side of things and i think the whole kind of um the, the whole social side of farming, obviously, we need to keep um, keep to the fore because, you know, <laughs> farmers live it every day, 24, 7, 365. So um, it's nice to it's nice to be able to just step out of the, the work and um, grind for a little while and and um, and spend some time with other people. Um, and I suppose part, a lot of that feeds back into the, the youth development of the, the YMA, as we would call it, the Young Members Association. You know, I mean, we do a lot of work in that area, providing stuff that's to do with farming, cattle breeding for young people, but also stuff that leads to, you know, 
personal development and career progression and things like that that are you know um of good good life skills as well as as well as cattle skills you know so um and i suppose another part of that that social side of things are are let's say the the non-breeding side of stuff that um ihfa gets involved in is we, we do try to do our best to fund research and um, I suppose particularly Chagas and Vista Milk and um, UCD and Lions, but, you know, other areas as well. Fund research that's going to help the, the whole industry um, for the future. And at the moment, that's, so, that's all based around the environmental challenges that we have coming up. So, um, you know what I mean? We've been supporting some of the initiatives there on methane measuring and, um, and things like that. So just, I suppose do our part for the industry as a whole. Okay. Um, I suppose just in terms of the environmental focus, would you have a concern around, with, uh, obviously, again, now we're, I'm probably drifting towards the show cow type scenario, but the, the high output cow is going to come under extreme pressure given the bending scenarios and how that's going to impact at farm level. Would you have concerns in that? Yes, for sure. Um, I suppose, um, Stuart, my view on that at the moment is that there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of um we've a lot of, a lot of road to go there in terms of the the whole environmental piece because for sure the nitrates directive at the moment um is having a, an impact there in terms of you know production level on the bandings and stuff like that but then the flip side of that is uh, a higher production cow in general, um, so long as we're not um, creating a system that's that's too um, that's using too much any inputs, but in general, a higher production cow is a more carbon efficient cow because they have a, a higher output per unit of carbon um, input. Um, so there's some balance to be found there too, I think. Um, and and as well as that, when you layer upon that, then the whole beef side of it or the whole kind of social responsibility um, that dairy farmers have around their beef calves, um, there's some balance to be struck there, too, because, again, there's the whole um, tension between having a, a cow that's of a body size to produce a, a valuable beef calf, but not so much so that it's an inefficient dairy cow. So, and I think this is where the research um, is going to in, uh, inform a lot of the direction over the next couple of years and, and some balance been found. But I think, you know, we've yet to put all the pieces together there, I think. Yeah, sure. I suppose it's very much, while we kind of knew it was coming, it's only in recent times that we really started to work hard on trying to find solutions around a lot of it too. Like, so uh, it's, it's in its infancy, really. Um, it is, but I, I think, in, in, and, you know, there's credit due in a few areas here too. And again, it goes back to a lot of the work with Chagas and ICBF and, and the industry as a whole. But I think some of the gains that we've made in terms of EBI and, and fertility and longevity and, and solids production are going to be of huge value when it comes to kind of pivoting things slightly um, to deal with the environmental challenges. Um, and having a good breeding program um as a nation is going to be very important in that respect too that we can quickly identify the the genetics that work best and and quickly build on those and implement them so um i suppose i'm you know comfortable enough in that we're we're 
due for a few years of an evolution, but hopefully no complete change. No, you know, we're we're not going from going east to suddenly going west. Yeah, yeah. It's positioned well to kind of a d- deal with the uh, the changes that are coming. Yeah, actually, yeah, you, so. you have a point. You have a point there about data quality. Actually, that you can <coughs> pick up on. I presume that's just like you said in terms of being able to verify sires and verify parentage and so forth. And I suppose genomics plays a big part in that for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think again, it's just a, a principle of the organisation that we're you know providing good data on our animals and and that there's a good quality of data feeding into the national systems and like so ihfa would have insisted um a number of years ago that all um pedigree registered stock bulls would have been genotyped um so you have you know higher quality ebi data and then you also have that that genomic data for um for parented verification and stuff like that so that's you know just an example of that and i think that's that's more and more important as we as we go forward and it's important just to maintain the integrity of the the herd book um as much as anything else you know but it's um if think, we if we have good data we can make good decisions with it yeah i think yeah that was one of the points you were making to me earlier we said that, that that's the the next step up in terms of what pedigree is offering so if you're buying pedigree stock you've all that level of assurance that goes with it maybe so that's one of your usps i suppose is, is the term that you use yeah 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 and i and i would think you know what i mean there's there's a couple of things there Stuart, around you know what what value do pedigree stock have um but i think it's it's about being sure of what you have um, the cows in the pedigree herb book are of good quality um, there's a, there's kind of a recognition there from the farmer point of view that if it's a pedigree herd it's generally a farmer who wants to make genetic gain who wants to have good cows and um, and there's a reliability there behind it that they're you know they're and they're also going to want to care for their cows and provide them you know good animal husbandry and um you know there's there's a whole package there around it that just kind of um says that they're quality animals and it, it, it's a well-run farm and um, and we want to do things as best we can i suppose and that's across any breeding goal and any farm system yeah okay yeah very good so um, I suppose, do you want to move on to what's happening next week? Or? Yeah, if you just, as I'll skip on here to the, um, I've talked about everything I had on, on slides here anyway. So let me talk about the, um, what, what we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks. So we have a couple of open days coming up. Um, so I'll just talk through what's, what you're going to see on those and what they're, what they're all about. Um, so the first one is on the 7th of July. Um, in Ballyteague, Holstein's um, near Brewery in County Limerick, um, Aidan and Sally Frawley and family. Um, so what we're going to see there, um, first of all, it's our National Open Day, right? So um, there's a couple of things happening from our point of view, but let's say if you're using it as a day out, as a, as a farm visit to go out and get some information, what are you going to see? You're going to see a, a family farm where all the family is involved and it's a really well-run um, farm where there, there's enthusiasm behind what's going on. Um, it's a converted beef unit. I think it was in the early 2000s. Um, 
um, Sally and Aiden were getting set up and they moved on to a converted beef unit and um, started milking there in the early 2000s with, um, with a herd of animals that was bought um, or moved across from one of the other um, farms in the family. Um, it's a really well-managed herd, excellent grassland, excellent nutrition. Um, you're going to see the results of genetic gain. Um, they have a system that's not your typical system, Stuart. It's a high input, high output, and a winter milk system. They're about, I think, a third of the cows calving in the winter and about two thirds in the spring. So it's not your typical um, system, but you're still going to see excellent grassland management. You're still going to see the results of breeding for that system and the type of cow that they prefer, which is a, a kind of a Holstein. It's a showy type cow. Um, but that's what suits their farm. Um, but um, yeah, and you then you're also going to see what goes on. Let's say from an IHFA point of view, we have the the stock judging competitions, which is our national club stock judging competitions, and also the mock stock judging. And also then anyone who comes along can enter the open open stock judging. And um, so that's a, a bit of fun for anyone who's never done anything like that before. We also have some of our awards. We have our National Herds Competition Awards and also our Gold and Diamond um, Cow Awards, which are for cows that have produced um, really high lifetime fat and protein production. Um, we also have a photo competition on the day, which is a new thing we're doing this year. So again, generally aimed at younger people, um, but it's open to everybody. Um, maybe people who aren't involved in the competition or the stock judging or something like that, they can go find a cow on the herd that they like, take a promotional photograph of that cow as it stands in the field. I'll also take a nice scenic photograph and enter it into a competition and we'll have some nice prizes um, available for anyone who wants to do that. Um, and then also the herd is having an elite sale. They have, I think, about 50 animals, young stock, that they're having on an auction in that evening. That's, that's at four o'clock in the evening. Um, and um, hopefully... Um, you know they'll be they'll get some um, good prices for their animals on the day. Um, in a couple of weeks after that, then on the twenty first of July, we have the Pure Frisian Open Day. Um, it's in the Queeley family down in Kilmac Thomas and Waterford. Uh, a similar event, but obviously focused on a pure Frisian system, an entirely spring calving system, very different cow type, different farming system. Um, but again, you will see the the benefits of a good breeding policies and um good breeding goal for the for the farm system good yeah so as you said at the outset uh, two very different sides to to the organization but all all under the one umbrella at the same time so there's a bit of everything uh, available for whoever wants what they well people can pick whatever they want or desire out of IHFA for to, to use in their own farms potentially like well well that's it and i think you know as, as IHFA and in general, I think we have to appreciate good cows for what they are for the system. And, you know, there's two examples of cows that are bred for the farm and for the farmer as well, because it's, it, this is what these both those farmers want to see in their herd of cows and want to see in their farming system. So and we should appreciate that. And um, and everybody's farm decisions are are just as valid as anybody else's farm decisions and um so long as they're they're going towards genetic gain and and making improvements um we're all for it so. yeah i suppose an important point um 
to some sum it up, I suppose, really, is I'm actually involved with the European dairy farmers there at the moment. They're happy, they just happen to be in Cork. And uh, mm-hmm. a comment that was made by one of the host farms that they're on yesterday was that um, obviously European systems are very different to Irish systems, but any system done well can be a profitable system. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the, the important thing there is you recognize what drives profit in your system and, and go for that. Um, and not be distracted by, you know, other systems. And I think, you know, we've been very good at that in Ireland um, over the last few years, and we probably learned the hard way in terms of, you know, let's say the OBI system and, you know, trying to use imported genetics to, um, to suit a, a spring calf and seasonal production system. And it, you know, it doesn't really work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think we have to be, we have to be proud of the gains we made in Ireland and, and, and recognize that we've done a really, really good job and continue. Yeah. And that. I suppose the, I suppose the interesting, again, I, I might keep harping back to it, but like the, the show cows are the, are the, the creme de la creme and they're far the show up piece, like what the grassland management, as you've pointed out with Frawley's, even though, even though they'd be classified as having a height, hyper, higher type cow, maybe, but, mm-hmm. um, like grassland management is still important and joe and james will always talk about the importance of grassland management in those winter milk systems as well uh, and like that grass is a key key component in irish dairy systems and when done right regardless of the system that's what's underpinning profit of those like yeah and absolutely and i think you know and the genetics in, i should say <laughs> well well absolutely and the, the right genetics for the system um absolutely but like we have a, a huge usp in ireland around the whole grazed grass and and cows out in pasture um, and we want to maintain that nobody wants to adopt a european system in general we have markets that dictate the cow, uh, milk must be produced in the winter and specialized farms to do that. And that tweaks the breeding program a little bit. Um, but um, I think and as we go forward and, and are mindful of some of the more the environmental challenges, you know, the um, some of the research there is very much around maximizing that grazed grass and minimizing imported feed. Um, so it all kind of feeds, keeps feeding back in a loop to that um, good Irish system. It can be very efficient from a from a profitability point of view and from an environmental point of view with, you know, um, some small tweaks and hopefully only small tweaks. But um, it's um, it's a it's a good system. And it's, it's I think, you know, looking at international systems um, and, um, and what goes on in other countries, it's um it's a very strong position for the Irish dairy industry, the types of farms we have. And um I think it's it's up to IHFA as an organization to make sure we keep that in mind and keep trying to promote breeding for that type of system. Okay, and then the final question, Lawrence, I suppose before we finish up, um, given the emphasis that's now been put on sex semen use and so forth, would IHFA have concerns in terms of the progress for the breed into the future and have you plans we'll say I suppose to deal with that maybe that you're going to have less opportunity <laughs> to find these elite animals maybe coming along and there'll have to be more of a plan put into making sure that they do arrive on the ground yeah well I think definitely Stuart it's going to change the dynamic of of the um of the breeding programs so and, and I think one of the the immediate effect on that too and I suppose we haven't really talked about it at all is um it immediately puts more emphasis on the the beef side of um 
the equation there. And I think it's um, very important from, for IHFA members to um, upskill themselves in terms of the dairy beef index and the types of genetics that are there. Um, I think, you know, that'll be second nature to a lot of IHFA members, you know what I mean? They kind of live the, the breeding side of things from the dairy side. I think it's very easy to get an appreciation of the drivers, the genetic drivers from a beef side of things where we can still manage calving and gestation, but get a slightly better quality beef animal that's going to um, going to deliver a return and hopefully, you know, lead to return buyers for for the, the breeder farms and um, local calf buyers. Um, but um, so, but it is going to mean we're going to have less bull cows born, particularly less bull cows born from our heifers, and they tend to be our best genetics. Um, so it does put pressure back on that we structure more our breeding programs to ensure that we're getting sufficient bull cows from our best genetics that we have choice in what goes forward. And I think there's just more planning that has to be done in that regard. Um, and um, and a little bit more structure put on it. I think we can get over it. I suppose the more sex semen that's used, the more pressure it will, it will put on it and, and that. But I think it's um, one of the good things from an, an Irish industry point of view as well is that we have lots of farms breeding elite quality bulls. Um, there's hundreds of farms across the country that have been able to do that. Um, and, and part of that is because you know, high EBI genetics gets used widespread on, on those farms. And I suppose what we've seen in other countries is as you go to more sex semen um, and breeding programs become more sophisticated is sometimes they get taken out of the hands of the farmers and into the hands of, of you know, breeding companies, um, which can be farmer owned in some circumstances and, and that's fine. Um, but, but, the farmer themselves loses direct control. Um, and I, I wouldn't like to see that happening in Ireland. I'd, I'd like to see that, you know, there's still a large number of farms capable of breeding um, bulls that are good enough for breeding and particularly for, for AI. Um, but it will um, it will become more difficult. There's no doubt about it. Okay, very good. Um, so look, uh, we've come up to the end of the slot there, basically. So thanks very much for coming on, Lawrence. I'd like to wish you all the very best in your role as CEO of IHFA for the future. Um, it was a very interesting discussion, which in terms of the role of IHFA, it actually opened my eyes a little bit in terms of some of the, the things that you are doing. Thanks for coming on, Lawrence, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Take care. And wish everybody well for the week and take care. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and thanks for listening.